It's one minute after five. We can call this meeting to order, please. Good afternoon. Clerk, will you please call the roll? Yes. Um, Trustee Thompson? Present. Trustee Banerjee? Here. Trustee Charlin? Here. Trustee Lawrence? Here. We have a quorum. Thank you very much. We have a lot on our agenda today, and uh, we'd all like to go home at some point, so. Yeah, exactly. So keep moving. I'm encouraged by your 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 interest, our, our shared interest here. We're going to get this done. <laughs> yes, exactly. Thank you. <clears throat> and if I could just, uh, the administrative note for everyone to pull your microphones close, speak into them, that, that eliminates feedback and also make sure we get a good recording. I see we have no Thank you. for this meeting. There's no mute button. It's dangerous. <laughs> um, anyway, if that works. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Um, let's move on to the minutes of uh, May 4th. Can I have a motion? Move approval. Second. Any discussion? All in favor? Aye. Any no's? Any abstentions? <clears throat> motion carries. Mr. Cox. Okay. Uh, in the interest of time, let me yeah. just tell you about this contract. Uh, this is part of our revenue cycle improvement. Uh, and this company did two things for us. One, they um, <clears throat> identified accounts that had gone to bad debt, and they had gone after, uh, not gone after, but sent notices out to patients saying, would you please pay your bill? And they were paid on a percentage to collect that cash. And they were very successful, and they, we collected quite a bit of cash. Um, and that amount has come down over time because um, we caught up on all the old stuff, we're doing a good job on the new stuff, and so costs are down. So they, they did that. The other thing they did is they sent out um, uh, what are called self-pay statements for current accounts. So if somebody gets a bill, they have a personal balance, they said the statement now. So not bad debt, just, okay, would you please pay your bill? And, you know, that worked pretty well, too. Um, we're, we're really not completely satisfied, so what we'd like to do is um, go out for an RFP. In fact, we'd already have initiated that and have that in process and can get it done in uh, probably a couple months. Um, but uh, basically, this company did what they were supposed to do, and uh, we're happy with it, and it was in accordance with what we represented to the board. So that's where we are. Okay. <clears throat> Any questions? Yeah, David, I'm sorry. I, I didn't understand if they're doing everything you want, you are you doing, are you going after something different? Or? Yeah, the, the statements are not as friendly as they could be. The um, communication with our staff is not as good as it can be. Um, we just think we can do better. Okay. And so we want to take a look. And, and the percentage? Um, I think they were in there, but uh, my recollection is the self-pay is something like 5%. And Correct. No, uh, yeah. Well, 16% on the contingency On the contingency. Yeah, I was just asking, uh, market on that? Is that about where market is right I think now? It's about market. I think it's about market. But, about market. But it's just, I, we just think we can have an overall better experience for the patients. And, you know, and we these get, are we all sometimes get complaints from patients saying, you know, I can't understand, what is this bill? I can't understand it. It's not as friendly as it could be. And the customer service part of it, how, yeah. how are they, the phone part is probably, how is that going? It, it's just sort of average, you know, just okay. nothing, nothing spectacular. Would we expect the same company to reply to the new RFP? Yeah, mm -hmm. but we're going to look at some others. Yeah. Good, okay. Yeah. Okay. Do you want a separate <clears throat> on that? 
Okay. Dr. Jamaladeen. We'll move to contract approvals. Okay. So uh, the East, uh, we're looking at tab three, is it the East right. Bay? Yeah, I mean, we, yeah. we could have people go through each of these, or we were thinking in the interest of time, and, and particularly we're anticipating there's going to be questions about Oak Care, which is at the end, that maybe we just say, are there particular questions about these contracts, or we could have Irish prepared to go through them very quickly at a high level and then respond to questions. Okay. Um, why don't we just, uh, Ira, why don't you just go through them very quickly one by one um, and just, or if we have questions one at a time, we'll, we'll ask questions and then we'll have a summary motion at the end okay. if that's okay. Right. Um, then starting with um, contract on tab 3A, um, this is the proposed agreement with East Bay Foundation for Graduate Medical Education. This is a proposed renewal of a longstanding arrangement with EBFGME, um, I'll just call it the foundation. They provide the, found, um, the resident placement services for UCSF. For us specifically, they provide the surgical residents. Um, without going into great detail, there are two basic categories of the residents, um, categorical residencies for those service, um, residents who are going to um, have the training all the way for their board certification and then preliminary residencies. What we're proposing here is a renewal of, as I said, a longstanding agreement that we will obtain 23 surgical residents. They are placed at Highland. Um, they have students who range from their years one through five of their residency. The services that they provide are indicated on the bullets of the summary, including inpatient and outpatient duty hours, which cover both academic as well as all clinical duties, administrative duties separately, then separate on-call duty hours, and moonlighting as assigned. All of this, so that you understand, is bundled up and regulated by um, the ACGME, which oversees all of this, and there is a maximum of 80 hours per week per student. With this right now, the proposal is a one-year renewal. It will include a 4.92% increase over current rates, primarily reflecting increases passed through for resident salaries, which are going up for cost of living adjustment. And because we're increasing the total number of residents this year, we're increasing slightly the fraction of the administrative expenses that we pay for that. I think that's the high level. Are there any questions on that? You answered my question. Okay. Okay, Universal Hospital Services. Yes, Universal Hospital Services. This is a proposed arrangement that will be modifying an underlying and existing arrangement. We had obtained certain durable medical equipment, including IV pumps and respirator ventilators, um, under a lease arrangement. We, however, have, as of October of last year, obtained those actual items via purchase. We stopped paying for those from a lease perspective at that time, but we would like to formalize that reality by amending the current contract to reflect by strike the lease and also to extend it by three years because now for the purchased equipment we still need maintenance etc of services so that is what's before here and I would like to draw the attention that the amount proposed 3.8 roughly million is actually representing a savings over the prior agreement which also included maintenance etc for the similar services of about $35,000 so we're getting a slightly better deal and certainly no increase so that is that particular agreement. Are there any questions on that? I, I have a question. Please. So uh, this one um, came up uh, last month as well. It was pulled, I know. <clears throat> and uh, pretty much the scope seemed the same, but the uh, figure was almost a million less than that. Is there anything the scope has changed? Of, of if the I remember, what happened was 
they, as they were discussing with UHS, the potential, even though now we're not needing to lease any equipment because we purchased it, mm -hmm. if for any time over the, say, coming three years, if we have a piece of equipment fall out and we need to have it maintained or updated mm -hmm. and we need to have that backfilled, they're now available and that additional 1.5 million is pre-authorized, proposed pre-authorized pool of money so that we can do that for leasing on an as-needed basis. On an, okay. Yes. That's, that's I think that's what it is. Does What's the a, life of this equipment? That is a question I don't actually know the answer to. It, it could last potentially 10 years. You okay. stretch okay. it. You know, normally it's like five to eight, but it could, it could last 10 years. Okay. Is, does the organization, does the system have a replacement cycle for, I mean, is that something you guys have developed for the various equipment, pieces of equipment? Um, they, they do have a program now of looking at equipment and saying what is the normal replacement life and when do things need to be replaced. So you, so it's, you, it's in new, terms yeah. of the budget, you can anticipate yes. that there's going to be an outlay of certain, okay. Yes, yes. Okay. Sure. That's where you find uh, in the new chain facilities part of the capital budget. That's where a lot of that is. That's okay. So look at the, uh, the age of the equipment and what's coming out in Continue. Is that all computerized <coughs> now and it's on? Well, spreadsheets. Know, but, uh, they do have a spreadsheet. Yeah, I was going to say, if by computerized, you mean there's, it's yeah, a, one of the advantages <laughs> of yeah, right, right. owning this versus leasing. I, I have a, oh, no, owning is much is, is better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You should Thank move you. your mic closer. Okay. All right. Soft spoken. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Okay. Okay. And modal services? Okay, and modal. This, as you can see, is a rather lengthy board summary. Um, what I'll start out with is that the first page is essentially a summary of the pre-existing arrangements that we already have with Immodal. The majority of those services are for hospital information um, applications as well as services, specifically with regards to things like physician transcription as well as chart review. Um, what we're proposing to do, starting at the bottom of the first page, is to enter into two additional new statements of work. Under this, essentially, we're proposing to provide temporary staffing for the clinical documentation improvement efforts. We have already, under separate SOW, earlier obtained an application that helps us with automated elements of that, but there's also boots on the ground that are necessary. And the essential gist of this is that we need to have approval, if it's forthcoming, to obtain temporary specialists as well as a manager of this department, all of which are highly skilled and difficult to obtain. And we hope to use that as a bridge so that while we have the temporary services, we will be simultaneously looking to recruit and employ full-time positions. And one element of this is that this is, as I understand it, for primarily services almost as a pilot project, if you will, at Highland. And that is why for the collaboration with medical staff, we only indicated having the associate CMO for Highland. But if it is successful, once we've hired the full-time employees, we will then expand it system-wide. At that time, I anticipate that we would also reach out to coordinate with the impacted ACMOs for their facilities as well to obtain the medical staff um, cooperation. Um, I would say at the high level, in the interest of time, that's probably a quick summary. Is that too quick? Any drill down questions? Is this part of our current fiscal year, or is this included in the 18 budget that hasn't been approved this, yet? This is actually going to be, I think it's best it's included in the fiscal 17 budget. It's both. But, okay, fair enough. All right, gotcha. Yes, so it has carryover since it overlaps. Okay. okay. Any other questions? Um, yeah, just uh, on the system itself, and I know this is for staffing, but for the system itself, does this integrate with the two 
DHRs were looking at. Hmm. How, do, how does this integrate? Yeah, so this, this, this the CDI specialists of this particular um, contract are for the people to do the job. So the CDI Collaborate is the piece that does natural language processing review to look for documentation opportunities to improve documentation. So that's the tool that we uh, the board's approved previously. Okay. And it uses the documentation that comes from the automated systems to review those and prompt the specialist to, to query physicians for additional information. But the interface is built then between these two. Yeah. That's the question I'm going to have. That's yeah, going to continue to come up. As long as the data comes electronically, the system can review it. Okay. And that's, but and all of those, and both of the systems reviewing do that as well as this looks at transcription you will. that we're bringing in addition to, to what comes through uh, electronic documentation out of Sorian today is also going into the system for review. But you're not going to have to build any interfaces for this? We, with the new system, we'll have to build a new interface. But that's okay. okay. Yep. That's going to happen no matter what? That's going to happen no matter what. Okay. Okay. Whichever vendor we would pick, we would need to build that interface. Interfaces, yeah. Okay. Hmm. If no other questions, Colin Construction Company. Colin Construction. Okay. Colin Construction is the proposed arrangement that will result in the awarding of a general contractorship, if you will, to Colin Construction. Um, we asked them to actually help us with the building of the Sim Lab, which is part of a grant-funded effort to expand our youth education and development programs. Um, I also found out that there is, in addition, a twofer element to this. The lab, once it is built, if approved, will also serve as as a training ground for also um, clinicians as well. Um, in addition to that, we have um, also, I guess, a detailed breakdown of the services that the general contractor would provide near the bottom of the um, summary. Um, it includes such things as surveying um, inspecting all existing site conditions, relocating utilities, the actual construction itself, installation of ductwork, plumbing, electrical, and then making sure that we meet all appropriate codes, file all documents, et cetera, so that we're ready to go for occupancy at that time. Um, I would say that at the very high level, that is essentially what this is. I would draw one distinction, and that is that we approved or asked and got approval, I should say, for another separate SOW to call on construction just a two, I think it was, boards ago, and that was for a different grant-funded process to hit out um, for our new MRI as well as to refurbish the existing MI suite. So I just want to draw the distinction between those two. Um, what do we do with this space when Health Path goes away if it goes away? I mean, we have a $10 million grant that's supposed to be spent over a certain number of years. That is a good question, and I don't know if the anticipation of the, that going away would be done. I do know that the space that's being kitted out is already in actually this building itself, presumably if at any time the, the money was to go away and we did not need the same lab or could not afford it anymore, that space, 2,400 square feet, I believe, would be reallocated to whatever purposes they needed. So, Tony can speak to it. So, the, and the, the, the Sim Lab is intended for long term purposes for us. Partly, while it's funded by the Atlantic Philanthropic Donation, we'll be training physicians, nurses, and other clinicians in there for the long term future. Perfect. And so, we will continue to train youth from the Oakland School District and other uh, young people who want to get into healthcare, but it will be used to train our medical staff and other clinicians for the future of AHS. Perfect. That's what I wanted to hear. I thought so, but I wasn't sure. <clears throat> Any other questions? Okay, McKesson Technologies. McKesson. 
All right, I'll round it out. Um, our proposed arrangement here is designed to replace certain, uh, certain tools that are used by the Revenue Cycle Department, specifically um, eligibility verification applications called HDX and a claims editing application called DSG. Um, overall, we find that those current applications are cumbersome and rather difficult to use, and as a consequence, they're inhibiting our ability to improve our medical records accuracy, and that has knock-on effects, obviously, for both patient health care as well as our ability to optimize receivables. So in the interests of facilitating improved quality of care and receivables, mm -hmm. we're proposing to go with McKesson to replace those two applications. And you can see in the specific bullets on the summary that you have a number of applications, if you will, breaking out how each one will impact both, specifically the claims editing as well as the eligibility applications, and then a few other things that may not currently be provided. Um, I would say I would draw your attention for the estimated cost and savings that because we currently use a contract to obtain the incumbents, that there will be an offset when we terminate with them. Mm -hmm. And the overall estimated net increase, if you will, in spend that would be um, would be the result of this if it's approved would be $1.8 I am assuming that the reason the price increases is because there are apparently additional um, modalities of service provided, as well as there may be a quality differential, which is maybe part of the reason we're actually here. Um, for a high-level overview, are there any questions I can address at this time? Is this the Relay Health? Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. And that I, does work with all the systems yeah. that we're looking at. Yeah. What is Relay Health? That's the, the electronic. The products that are included submission. in this contract. Okay. Claims editing, recording, denials management. Uh, is this how our patients will also communicate with their health rec records via Relay Health? No. 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 I know I did when I was a Sutter customer way back when. Patient has to yeah. bill estimation, of, you know, time of service. So this is strictly internal? Yeah. Hmm. It's the electronic billing linkage that gets yeah. all the claims out to the plans and checks eligibility yeah. and does yeah. a couple other things. The other piece that David just mentioned was the, the pay, patient estimator. So if a patient wants to call, well, how much do I think that service is going to cost? That's a new service and feature that's being added in this process that's not available today. Hmm. Okay. Say that one more time. I'm sorry. So a patient could call and say, what would it cost me to get my knee replaced? Uh -huh. We can provide an estimate to them based on what the average charges are across all the surgeries oh, we have done okay. for that, that, the system will provide an estimate on, on generally what that would cost them if they wanted to do it. And so it's, words like a lot, does that come out? Arm. But it does the benefit check as well yes. electronically, yeah. so yeah. that way it looks what the benefit is, what the patient comes in has a benefit, can look at the benefits and then it uses that to kind of also yeah. come up with a net. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that actually system. is one of the most important functions because a lot of um, how we get paid depends on what benefits people actually have. And if you can do it at the time of service and get it right, you know, if they present a card say, well, wait a minute, this is saying you're not, then you can you can resolve a lot of yeah, that. Yeah, doing it at the front end as opposed to yeah. rectifying it at the back end. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And this will work for our Alameda patients and their particular insurance yep. situation. Yep. yep. You have none, but we'll wheel and deal with you to yep. get you in. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Great. Okay. Um, no other questions. Let's move on to O'Care. Okay. Um, I'd actually like to take the moment to introduce Carla Avila. She's actually presented before on an update on O'Care. She is the manager of the has been actually instrumental, in my opinion, in leading this very long and protracted process to demonstrate 
the necessity as well as the details for the renewal. Um, therefore, I've asked her to take point on presenting because she has the drill down knowledge that I think nobody else does right now. So, Carla. Yes, we've done more extensions on this contract than any loan, I think, in my bank's history. So, happy to see if I'm all. Correct. Um, thank you, Ira. Um, this is a large contract, so I would like to give you more detail than what Ira did. However, if I'm going to slow, please ask me to speed up. Um, so a few highlights from the summary. Um, Oak Care is a multi-specialty medical group that came into existence in 1995 to support AHS and its mission. Um, it was formed by a group of physicians that had been here longer than 1995. So they have two plus decades of experience here. And um, it has allowed OCARE the ability to meet um, the evolving needs of AHS in this community. Um, OCARE's core mission is to provide high quality health care to uh, the community the, um, here in Alameda, as well as provide excellent physician services to AHS. Presently, OCARE accounts for 40% of total contracted physician services provided throughout the system. The majority of the services are provided at Highland Hospital. However, um, some services are provided at Alameda Hospital and at the FQHC clinics. Um, when negotiations began last year, we realized that this complex contract lacked clarity of services, and the contract itself was not ideal for both parties. So we came together and we conducted a series of retreats between OCARE, AHS, and AHP to perform a comprehensive review of services and resource needs, which helped us establish a baseline for this contract that we're presenting you today. Our next step was to um, begin identifying any service gaps on opportunities that we could address in this contract as well. Can you give me examples? Service gaps? Um, yes, do you want to? I can, yeah. So, uh, I mean, uh, for example, pulmonary, we presented last week. You remember the long yeah, wait right. for pulmonary? Okay. We have uh, gaps in certain services in uh, like neurology or in uh, uh, GI certain sub-specialties uh, in GI like ERCP. Uh, the contract was made in such a way as to hold the contract, but in case there is uh, a need or there is an opportunity, it made it very complicated. You have to renegotiate the whole contract, you know, in order to add so, or amend it. So uh, we divided really the work uh, in various services. What is the current state in terms of FTE? How, what are they doing? How are they distributed in terms of clinic, uh, procedural time, administration, and uh, teaching? And uh, with every service, we used the formula that is required by the GME, and we used also what is required in terms of our teaching obligations of undergraduate education for the St. George University. So this is like how, how we have uh, like uh, uh, followed it. So we have still gaps, but we cannot afford to fill all these gaps you know, immediately. We came up to a need for the current state of about 10 FTEs. You know, uh, some of them are in primary care, uh, some are in uh, critical care. I let you, you know, take it from this. Does this answer a little bit? I, I think so. I think okay. I'm, I'm trying to understand okay. care versus our own, our own uh, HP, AHP, and that relationship and the and the the service gap. Okay. If Ocare is 40% of our physician services, what are the next two tranches of physician services? Of our contracted uh -huh. physician services, um, you, you CSF. <clears throat> um, and they would account for how many? As a percentage, surgery. That's an, if it's an unfair question, just say yeah, a I lot. Be able to help. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. Not as large as Ocare, but 
good job. Okay. Yeah. So um, all the work that went into these retreats to really define the services has created a more robust contract. Um, and you will see a much larger contract as well. Um, now to review the contract, I would like to draw your attention to page three of the contract summary. Um, it's such a complex contract and there's a lot of review, so I will go very quickly through it. There are 18 service lines described in the summary. Four of them are major and the rest are much smaller in comparison. The major ones would be ED, hospitalist, OBGYN, primary care. Um, and there's plenty more. Um, I know that I sped through this. However, I want to emphasize that the services provided within this contract are vast. It includes multiple hours of inpatient services, including consults and procedures, multiple patient clinics throughout various service lines, multiple hours of administrative services for various divisions, departments, and programs, and lastly, teaching services, which include um, two residency programs, ED, and in internal medicine. So before moving on to compensation and for clarification, I do want to um, alert you that this is a three-year agreement um, and we have included termination language which increases it from 90 days to 120 days with advance written notice. So I want to draw your attention to this handout that was given to you at the beginning of the meeting. Um, it kind of breaks down compensation and I want to go uh, through it to give you a better understanding of the increase that we've awarded OCARE. At first glance, um, you will see that uh, the current agreement is of 105.3 million, um, to the and the proposed agreement is 124.7 million. The gross percentage increase comes out to 18.42 percentage. Now you may ask yourself, why are we increasing um, so much, or why are we awarding this much to OCARE? And so I do want to caution you that this is not the appropriate way of comparing uh, the contract as it lacks a lot of clarity. It's, we're not comparing apples to apples. Is that 18.42% over three years or is that per uh, annum? Correct. Okay. Over yes, three over three years. years. But um, I want to take you deeper into this. When we entered into the current agreement, uh, I'm moving now to this section. Um, the compensation was increased by 6% uh, in comparison to the previous contract and that's for year one of the current agreement back in 2014. Then the following years, the compensation was increased by 3%. And of course, the last 12 months, we've remained, uh, we've kept it uh, flat. So the proposed uh, contract increases the first year to 40.3 million, which is a 10% increase from last year. However, Dr. Jamaluddin uh, mentioned the 10.2 FTE increases that we're awarding OCARE with this new contract. So if we remove the dollars associated with the FTE increases, you will see that the true compensation increase to OCARE is only 3.8%. So similar to our current agreement, we will provide OCARE a 3% increase every year thereafter. So in terms of the increase in FTEs, I want to reassure you that these um, FTE increases were evaluated and prioritized, as Dr. Damaladeen mentioned. In but, what uh, departments were they increased? They were increased in um, ICU and pulmonary, some increases in ED, hospitalist, um, integrative medicine, let me see. Also increases in, uh, small increase in GI, hospital services. I think that's, I think that's in primary care. You say you're running out of 10 quick. So yeah, sorry. <laughs> yes, it's very fast. Uh, so, but then also these increases um, will be balanced by an increase in volume. I just want you to be aware of that. Um, in addition to the three- uh, An alleged increase in volume, correct? <laughs> correct. So we're betting on, this isn't, this isn't to address volume that's there, this is to staff our departments mm -hmm. for business that we hope comes? 
No. Is that a fair statement? It's demand. It's actually we it's have demand, demand in demand. those. In those uh, this is based on demand. Okay. Yeah. Great. So in addition, uh, there is a 3% uh, of the compensation is tied to productivity and performance metrics. And these are to be defined in the proposed agreement. I'm sorry, what, what percent was that tied to those metrics? 3% of total compensation. 3%. Yeah, it's tied into uh, productivity and performance metrics. That, that's an increase from zero. So zero to three. It's a, a big increase. Yeah. yeah. And, and productivity wasn't taken into account in the last contract. Oh, no. uh, there's I know. definitely agreement in this contract that we will be looking at that. The establishment. Are our care doctors across the system? Is this just pertaining to Highland? This is across. Yeah. Care across the system. Through, through all the system. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Okay. Alameda. Okay. Um, yeah. Predominantly here, but across the system. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to move focus to just the contract. Uh, we have, I mentioned earlier that it, it's much more robust, but um, we have also addressed issues of transparency by requiring that OCARE um, provide documentation with their monthly invoices. Um, this process is in line with, the, uh, with what we expect from our other contractors. In addition, um, there is- Say that part again. So we are requiring OCARE to provide um, documentation with all their invoices. And if they don't? Then they don't get paid. And they hadn't been doing that? No, the, the current contract um, did not require for them to provide that. David, hot dog. <laughs> well, listen, we work, and she, Carl's been working on this for a long time. <laughs> yeah. And um, also more communication between the CMO and the chairs, um, which I think will also uh, increase the transparency between OCARE, AHP, and IHS. Great. So I, I definitely want to hand it off to you if you want to talk about uh, what we can expect after three years. So, yeah, uh, in, during the negotiation, uh, we got an agreement that is going to be translated into a memorandum of understanding with OCARE to start a meeting with Alameda Health Partner uh, leadership uh, and uh, with the intent to have a unification, you know, uh, start the process of unification during the third year and there's definitely by the end of this contract will be unified with Alameda Health Partners. So uh, um, they, uh, you know, I, I suggested that I will chair those meetings. We will have a representative from Alameda Health Partners and uh, from, uh, from OCARE, and we have a third uh, party independent to, uh, uh, to facilitate those meetings that will be minuted. Uh, we will call them alignment, alignment meetings, and there will be not less than 10 meetings uh, per year. And that's to uh, discuss our future state in terms of the physician alignment, uh, you know, by the end of this of this uh, contract, uh, and to move forward as a unified Alameda Health Partners uh, structure. Still having fun? I'm sorry. Are you still having fun? Uh, with a little bit of burn. Given how long the partnership with Okera has been, yeah. does it really? Do you anticipate three, you know, ten meetings a year for for a process to take three years and not two? Given like how AHP is going. Um, well, uh, I mean, the the bottom line, I think uh, they they have. Uh, I mean, the the question is, what options does Okera? Have and we value their, you know, their work, 
but they have to be on board with the direction of the organization. And this is the direction of the organization. And, uh, you know, this is such a critical issue that we have to move forward, you know, uh, in terms of how, how we can expand our services and how we can be very transparent about our, uh, our uh, uh, productivity, our uh, quality, and our safety of the delivery during the delivery system, and we need to be sort of standardized and uni unified with this. So they were on board with this. Uh, the intent really um, of, the, of the incentive and the reason we kept it on the low side, because we haven't uh, built the infrastructure to have uh, these metrics very visible, mm -hmm. but we want to build this infrastructure, but we want the physician to be part of this process and right. building. And the opportunity for O'Care is, again, to be part of Alameda Health Partners during this mm -hmm. build-up. Okay. Right. So we can, uh, we can uh, see. So the, during this process, we, uh, we agreed that, uh, you know, after a number of meetings, that there will be uh, members of the Alameda Health Partners who will sit on the O'Care uh, board and members of the O'Care physicians will sit on the Alameda Health Partner Board. So we have like this cross, and, the, and each members in the alignment group, they will take to their boards, uh, uh, to their boards what, 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 what are like the future plans. So we're going to work on this in terms first, having uh, the first set of meetings about this, the deciding and agreeing where we want to go, and then uh, depicting our current state, and then the third phase will be how are we going to do it. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I don't think there's, uh, <coughs> just to add to that response, I think right, uh, there, there isn't necessarily anything that would preclude uh, this from happening sooner if the stars were lining up and everyone was ready to mm -hmm. uh, move in that direction. But it was, you know, just putting a bookend on using the contract itself as a bookend for the time horizon mm -hmm. by which it, it needed to be completed. Okay. How long was the previous contract? Three years. And why did we go from 90 days to 160 days termination clause? It's been standard activity that we've done with a lot of contracts uh, just to make sure that we have sufficient time to, uh, or at least a better chance, because even 60 days or 100 and what is 180 now? Uh, 180 is, or, or whatever, 120, 180, whatever it is, 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 is really ch challenging, uh, to be perfectly Protect honest. Um, okay. No, uh, if, if it were to answer. come to pass. Um, it's a very low risk uh, uh, event, I think, but still one that we wanted to make sure we protected against. Yeah, that's great. And who does the profi billing for this? We do. It's assigned. Yeah, so um, an important piece of this contract is not actually going to be with AHS. It's going to be with AHP. And Correct. the billing will then run through AHP on the soaring financial system. Oh. That will give us a much bigger presence in the market and all kinds of other benefits. Nice. So that's a, that's a bit different. Yeah. And, and Actually, that, I just want to underscore that part. I, uh, this contract is coming before this board because of the dollar threshold, but this is in fact a contract between Alameda Health Partners and OCARE. Mm -hmm. So we, just like we talked about earlier, all of our physician contracts are right. gradually moving into AHP, all the physician relationships, including this one. So this contract is moving over. It's just coming before this board because of the, the, the dollar threshold. Mm -hmm. And the AHP board has reviewed and approved it already. Right. And I guess one more question on the compensation side. It looks like Sullivan and Cotter must have reviewed each of these to make sure that they were all within line for 
position comp. Yes, and, and uh, also we, we price differently the administrative time and the teaching time from the clinical time. Okay. So uh, all, all uh, clinical time is priced at the clinical time rate and teaching is priced at the teaching rate. And that was based on Cope Sullivan and Cotter's numbers. Right. And the number of hours we follow the GME recommendation. We have, uh, you know, successful residency program in the emergency department and in internal medicine with, you know, we, we, we uh, graduate very, very uh, strong, like, uh, physicians in mm -hmm. these two programs. So we follow the GME uh, recommendations in terms of time allocation and then priced it by Sullivan Cotter's as, as such. Yes. And you also got that balance of teaching and clinical because folks were sometimes doing a lot of teaching and not as much clinical hours and get negotiating that as well, right? So, so, so uh, th that's going to be also in the time management of the uh, of the yeah of the doctors. But uh, you know, we have a number of chairs who are under O care, and uh, our chief of staff is under O care. So I, I have an agreement now with the chief of staff and the medical staff to go through a program of uh, training our chairs into uh, into leadership and, and management. So have sort of a leadership institute so they can uh, lead by data analysis, by accountability, and by, you know, handling their own, like, budgets and, and defining, you know, their own services accordingly. Mm -hmm. yeah. Select. One Go more ahead. question. Did the contract have any downside risk for physicians who weren't turning in their documentation in a timely fashion for denied claims or anything? So, uh, Are there any provisions in there? Any penalty provisions? So in terms of, <coughs> of comp payment to OCARE, yes. Um, there's no compensation unless we have um, all the documentation. But there, uh, there's also a requirement um, for them to turn around to, to do all their uh, charge collections. Or billing. Right. They're billing but if, if you get a denied claim, is there anything in there about a denied claim or claim denial based upon documentation or medical necessity? We we, we don't have uh, we have a physician advisor usually who uh, who looks after after this uh, bulk of it now is is actually Dr. Zorthian who who does the appeal with our utilization team, and we have another doctor who works on the utilization, but uh, the, the, the doctor's responsiveness to this is part of the medical staff rules and regulations, so we, I don't think we have a language about this, but they usually, you know, they respond. Usually, if they don't respond, it's escalated to the chair, and then we do our uh, best to, you know, have the documentation in order. But it sounds like you've got it in the contract for timely documentation submittal. So if the claim, you know, gets rejected on a timely filing basis, yeah. that you've already got some coverage in there for, right. for penalty provisions, right? Yes. Well, it, it is. Yes. It is so no, pe I don't think we have any penalty um, for timely, but it, it's it's definitely a requirement and something that we need to, that we can address, and it's up to the um, we work with the chair of the department to address that. It's their responsibility to ensure. That happens. Actually, we had uh, quite a number of discussions about uh, what we call like citizenship, and we defined it in the contract, you know, uh, so that timely documentations, as by our rules and regulations, mm -hmm. you know, uh, of the bylaws, we have a uh, delinquency policy that will. Uh, that will affect the privileging and credentialing of our physicians. So we link the contract with those with those bylaws. Now, uh, 
like we have the timely documentation and the content of the documentation. I think what you are bringing about is the content of the documentation as related to denials. And, and uh, we, have, uh, we have a language uh, about, about uh, the performance of the physicians with, uh, with a just culture to, uh, to do uh, remediation. And in case there is uh, no, uh, uh, no remediation, then there is, uh, there is a close for termination. So there's an opportunity for a 3% upside if they do well based on a matrix, but there's no downside if they don't do well? And, and also, what's the million dollars a year for quality and productivity metrics? Eight hundred to nine hundred thousand dollars a year. What does that include? Okay, I'm going to try to jump in here on a couple of things with <coughs> regards to I think the concerns that have been expressed with regards to downside, which I'll take as our ability to claw back monies from OCare if any of their physicians are not doing a suitable job with regards to charge documentation. With regards to that, they're correct, that there is no actual clawback provision. The flip side, however, is we have structured this such that it is a condition of their, of their um, provision of service that they must comply with all medical staff rules and regulations and CMS requirements with regards to charge documentation. Flip side on top of that is we also have the right to terminate any individual physician provided by them for failure to abide by any contract term provided it is material. My personal assertion would be if any of their providers are failing to do their charge documentation, that's material and we would proceed to remediate or terminate. I don't want to come off as a till of the hun here, but I've sat at this board where we've had doctors who had three months and four months behind in their documentation and billing. So. It, are we not going to see that kind of thing occur anymore? I, yes, so I'm monitoring this actually on a weekly basis in a dashboard that I show to the chairs in, in our uh, weekly huddle. So we have the shame list, I call it. Good. It has, it has uh, been really, they've been very active in terms of uh, closing their, their okay. charts. So uh, it used, we used to call it top 20, now it's not reaching seven, eight, so it is, it, is a month, it is a weekly dashboard that we look at. Now, once we implement the electronic health uh, record, uh, our rules and regulations really are, are very, very clear. We just want to hold the physician leadership accountable about this because the documentation of care is part of the care. It's not just like an elective thing. It's part of the care. So. I hope you won't see that again. Uh, I, I, want, I want to say more stronger word. You will not see that again. That's nice. <laughs> okay. And those aren't blinded, right? Those aren't blinded publications. No, no, they these are, are open. In the chair's yeah. huddle, we put the names, uh, we put the names uh, there. But we used to see charts unmasked, like 40, <laughs> 50 charts. Now we see sometimes somebody goes on vacation, but I say there's no excuse, you know. They should close their charts before they go on vacation. And if the vacation is prolonged, their family leave, then we should close them administratively by their boss or by their colleagues. We are not going to have charts that are not closed. But uh, we have, uh, I mean, as you very well know, uh, we have, uh, you know, issues with our uh, processes. Uh, whatever is on paper is very hard to track. So 
we have currently the discharge summary and the, uh, the history and physical exam is on, on, uh, on electronic. Uh, soon we'll be moving in the progress note on electronics. And we have uh, our primary care on next gen, which is electronic. Hopefully the specialties, you know, we'll roll them out while we are working on the electronic health records. So. I believe coming to the next board meeting is our suspension policy for physicians. So if they do not complete that documentation required, they would be suspended from admitting privileges. And right, not so we just, just documentation, but compliance issues as well. Right? Uh, absolutely. So, yeah, so both. Well, suspension is from an HIM suspension standpoint, specifically around HMPs, app reports, discharge summaries, those things that we are required for us to do billing. Okay. Thing I would like to add also with regards to yes technically there is no clawback provision however if any of the physicians failed to do what they were required to with regards to documentation and after engaging with them per the terms outlined in the contract they were not at a state of remediation we would then be able to proceed to have them removed from provision of services a critical element to understand is Oak Care unlike any other medical group in my experience they only provide services here they have made themselves captive to us. As a consequence of that, they have long-term employment arrangements as well as independent contracts they sign with their providers. They would be in a world of hurt if we said that physician is out because they would still be on the hook to pay. So although we wouldn't claw back money, they would hurt. Right. Good. Thank you. <clears throat> Thanks. Still have a question on the $900,000 a year in the contract for quality and productivity matrix. And are you referring to the section of the summary, I'm sorry? Contract summary at the end of every year, there's yes, a subtotal and then quality and metric that, services. That is the actual dollarized amount of the associated total 3% roll that Carla was mentioning earlier that okay. is theoretically eligible if they meet all of their productivity as well as quality metrics. Okay. In and that's for the clinical piece of the contract. Okay. I just want to make sure we weren't charging 900000 to monitor it plus 3% to give it. That is 3%. Okay. Any other questions? No. I'm good. Okay. Uh, no other questions on the five contracts. Um, take a motion to approve, please. Move to approve. Second. Uh, all in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Any abstentions? Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Question to clarify. Um, did you say five? There were six contracts by total. Just wanted to make sure for the record. Oh, the website. We voted on all the contracts. It's all six. In front of six. us. Six in front of us. Just, just wanted to be clear. Okay. Thank you. That's why we like you, Ira. No, keep, keep an eye on <laughs> Thank you, Ira. Thank no, you for answering the question. We'll come back next month. It'll be no fun not to have Oak Care on the agenda. <laughs> uh, okay, Mr. Cox, you'll okay. quickly breeze uh, through our financials I, I so we will. can get to the budget. Uh, here's the uh, overview for uh, April. It's a very favorable month financially. Uh, even though uh, patient activity was down, uh, we are booking uh, a couple of big items coming through. One is the um, health pack addendum, which we're spreading out over four months. That's $3 million a month. And we had a um, reconciliation of behavioral health care services that was $4.2 million. We decided to book all of that in one month. So um, that, that largely accounts for the favorable revenue activity. Uh, expenses were over budget, but, but better than in prior periods. Uh, I'm, in the interest of time, I'm not going to go through the details. Um, trends, I do want to show you this one, which is the line of credit. Mm -hmm. You're aware of the June 30th issue. Uh, since that, um, over the last week, the Alliance has approved 
providing us $35 million advance for a week, basically. So that will take care of the June 30th problem. And we're working on the mechanics right now with both the alliance and the accounting to put that in place. And what were the terms? Um, we're still working on the, uh, yeah. we got a draft of the uh, I, I'm not sure if they're going to charge the interest or not. But uh, it is. It is. It's, uh, it's like point oh. I can tell you. No, no. I think it's it's it ended up being like, like two or three thousand dollars or something like that. Yeah. So it's a small amount. Wow. It's nothing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'm happy to respond to questions. It's better in the back. Uh, oh, I, I should yes, mention exactly. that uh, we had yeah. record uh, cash collections in May, uh, 37.5 million. We just finished the month. Uh, our average has been like 28, 29. Mm -hmm. So we had a terrific month in May. What do you attribute that to? Um, partly it was the BHCS, which is four million. But a uh, big piece is there's this thing called EBU, which are the, all the claims sitting out there. It's gone from 99 million to like 29 million. So all those claims have gone out over the last few months and uh, we collect about 20%. So it drops a lot more out of the system. Yeah, yeah. So we're really cleaning up internal processes and claims are zipping out and getting paid. Very so. nice. Our last year was 38 million? Um, pieces of it, but it, it did run up to like 99 million. So we, we've caught up with that. Yeah. It's decreased so. now to like yeah. single digits. Yeah. And we've uh, we just had a revenue cycle meeting today, and there's a lot of good st stuff we can talk about, but we'll go into it later. Uh, some other meeting, okay? Mm -hmm. All right. Sarge, um, it's 0.05 percent, and it's uh, $2,900. Flat fee for bridge loan for $35 million. And a toaster. Uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's, a, it's a monthly rate, so that would yeah, and and then that's what it amounts to for budget. A week and okay. Remind me to talk to them about loan pricing. But, uh, <laughs> good for us. <laughs> okay. No, we don't want you talking. Actually, I don't think I will remind. <laughs> okay. Is that ready? it? Yeah. Ready for the budget? Ready. <clears throat> okay. Um, Rebecca and I are going to kind of tag team. Uh, you've got material in advance. Uh, and um, we've got about a 30-page PowerPoint presentation, uh, some of which you've seen uh, before. I think you're familiar with the budget principles, and I think you're familiar with our critical mm -hmm. initiatives. Um, so I'm going to zip through those and um, get down to our assumptions. Oh, by the way, I want to introduce Vishwari, uh, who you know, and Everyone Jody, knows Jody Copeland, <laughs> who's our uh, director of budget and analysis. Um, obviously, we're looking forward. With, there's a lot of uncertainty about what's going to happen in the future. Uh, but uh, what, what we've done is we've put in our best assumptions on revenue. We've put in baseline assumptions on cost of living. We've projected <coughs> volumes, which are basically flat, and increased uh, wages based on the um, our understanding of the contract negotiations that are going underway right now with uh, our nurses, uh, particularly covering the break coverage issue. And uh, we have a big assumption of moving contracted FTEs to hired in, in FTEs. So uh, you'll see that as we go through this. Uh, this is the summary financial plan, which I, I think you did see last time, uh, which uh, assumes that we're going to maintain a 4% margin going forward, even a margin, and it assumes the same capital that we've been talking about uh, for a while. And then the um, the question that I think was raised was, okay, what does that do to the net negative balance? 
So we run a, a simple projection out here to show you that um, if we were to follow 4%, uh, it would look like this. We end the year, next year about 40 million, and it would go up, and then it would start paralleling uh, this and be positive, stay below the line. But, you know, sort of close, and, and given the uncertainty, you know, it's within the margin of error. This is what a 5% would look like. And this is what a 4% would look like. Now, obviously, you can kind of mix, mix, mix and match. You, you can, I'm sorry, 6%. Um, you can see for one year, you know, it's, it's, it makes a difference, but it's pretty close in the big scheme of things. You do it for three, four, or five years, it makes, it makes a pretty big difference. Okay? And actually, before you go for that, so the, the, the sort of the core assumption in all of that is that our, our capital expense plan doesn't change. Right. So, yeah. so if you if you uh, um, follow out the the plan that's outlined there for the next couple of years, uh, with the expenses that are expected, and then with that four percent EBITDA, then that's that's what you expect to see happen to the net negative balance. As yeah. we mentioned last week, uh, the expectation would be early in the year, as a matter of course, to just reviewing these things, we would come back and say, let's take a look at this and see every year if these things are still germane, pertinent, if there's something not on here that should be on here. And as a result of all of those sort of machinations, what then happens to this that would then subsequently influence what how that line trends. Uh, so, so this is to just kind of have a stable point of comparison, but it in no way is intended to suggest that this would be our projection of what the reality would be, because that's a discussion that has not yet occurred. Okay, uh, here's some basic uh, trends. Um, you know, revenue. This is uh, patient revenue, supplemental revenue, and then here's expenses. Here's the trend on uh, labor costs as a percent of net revenue. Uh, you can see we hit 62% in 16. This would be taking it up. Here's FTEs per AOB, adjusted occupied bed. Uh, and then here's the uh, EBITDA, EBITDA margin up here. Okay. Uh, other trends on uh, supplies, contracted services, repairs. And then here is um, more detail on the labor cost per FTE. So salaries, wages, and benefits. And then this is the uh, FTEs per AOB trend right here graphically. Um, I'm sorry, David, go back to the labor trend. Yeah. Yeah, so this line is um, actually the, um, we reported on it before. That one. FTEs per AOB, it's the same, same trend. Okay. It's a measure of um, sort of labor efficiency comparing labor hours to volume. Why so going up is not good. No, you'd like to see it. You'd like to see it. Why is it going up? Uh, basically, in this uh, budget, we have um, you know flat volume and increasing staff, so that's mathematically works out into an increasing trend. So one of the drivers there, if you go back to the, the um, earlier slide that he said in terms of uh, baseline assumptions. Um, yeah. Uh, we well, there are a couple of things that are happening, but one of the bigger things on the clinical side is um, uh, we uh, there was an identification during the course of this year that with one of our larger um, um, uh, labor unions that we were not um, consistently and sufficiently covering meals and, and and rest breaks per the contract, and so we had to adjust our staffing to to do that to be in compliance with the contract and that. Uh, drives a, a portion uh, a, a of the cost per of this year's budget as a percentage. How much has that discovery 
account for? Uh, uh, it's been a, it's been a fairly number. recent change. It's, yeah, so the it change really hasn't went into place yeah. uh, around <clears throat> March. So, it's, yeah. yeah. So, what have been the primary reasons for the our expenses being eight percent higher this year, and what have we done in this year to try to control them? What have been well? We've talked about them over the course of the year, so part of it was. But I don't think we've. I mean, yeah, no, I, we're still running over, so we haven't. We we never, to me, came to grips with managing the expense overages of this year. Other well, than I think discussing. A, I think it, fair point. I think a big portion. One of the things we brought up a big uh, portion of what uh, well, I think it's relative portion of what occurred over the course of the year with respect to the budget is that when we uh, baselined the budget last year um, to to basically go back to sort of status quo and then do this incremental budgeting process um, I don't think we quite turned a corner on that experiment to do the incremental part of it and so when you look relative to the budget expenses, uh, the actual expenditures that occurred uh, were things that should have been expected and anticipated with respect to the budget that we never adjusted for. So there were um, there were costs uh, that uh, in some cases we had actually committed to and incurred in the prior year that when we baselined out actually didn't um, um, didn't get included in the budget itself. So there were a continuation of costs uh, that we either experienced or continue to experience or experience as a result of uh, those roles and those um, positions being filled but not being reflected in the budget, if that makes sense. So this year, what, what we tried to do is really clean that up and correct it so that um, uh, we are getting uh, as true uh, and, and accurate as possible reflection of what's actually occurring uh, with field positions, vacant positions, but budgeted uh, so that they follow over into subsequent years. Uh, and we make sure that we're managing, managing that. So we have a, uh, more work to be done post, uh, well, in process now, but post uh, budget approval to make sure that we keep a good position control report. Uh, and make sure that as those things change, subject to the manager discretion or need, that we, we track them on both the debit and the credit side and, and do a better job at that than we have in past years. Okay. Can I just ask how we compare on the adjusted occupied bed, the FTE per? Yeah, I think we are, so one of the initiatives that we are working on this year uh, uh, that we uh, also have some opportunity on is benchmarking. Um, uh, one of the challenges, and I, I, I'd look to the group to, to inform this, but um, we have a, uh, on the acute side, uh, which includes in this case then our, our, our rehab and our SNF side, we have a different sort of model in terms of uh, uh, staffing and, and service delivery. So there's, there's a, we have a bit of a challenge in comparing ourselves to uh, other acute facilities that are purely acute beds, per se, um, uh, when you look at both volume, uh, uh, discharge, and, and all those sorts of things. So, so we have an opportunity as an organization to really get a more robust ability to benchmark what's happening across the different service lines and then be able to say, uh, not just against ourselves year over year, what what mm -hmm. what we expect to occur and what's best in practice in those, and really then to manage to that. So, and so I honestly couldn't say that with great fidelity right now, but mm -hmm. I open it up if others want to. No, add anything to yeah, that. The uh, the FTEs per adjusted occupied bed on the skilled nursing beds is about two two FTEs, and on the acute you'll hear anywhere from four to six. We have a preponderance of skilled nursing facility beds. 
So it really skews mixed. our comparability. Yeah. Yeah. So mixed in with the number, how difficult would it be to tease that out and get more granular? So that we can begin so to look at benchmarking. Yeah, Devecchio mentioned we're looking at a benchmarking system right now and hope to bring it to the board fairly quickly. But we, we currently are not really benchmarking. Well, I, I, don't, I, I don't think, think the challenges that we're seeing kind of in this budget, it would be good to see them sooner rather than later. Right. So I mean, anything right. we could do to bring that benchmarking forward would be helpful. Yeah. We can we can try to do that. I don't I don't think it'll be well. I don't I shouldn't say this because I wouldn't be the people doing the work, but. But I, I think it'll be achievable. I think some of the challenges uh, we have, and I think this is germane, uh, but on the uh, skilled nursing side, um, uh, the way in which we uh, staff and, uh, well, not necessarily staff, but actually perhaps it is staff. I don't have the operators here. Tell me. I was looking for Richard to see. Uh, Richard would know this quite well. Um, I saw him earlier. Um, the way in which we staff skilled nursing historically in the at Alameda uh, for the sites there and how we do it at Fairmont uh, are, are different and you know, salaries and wages and all those one because of bargaining units but also because of just the historical sort of uh, progression of those organizations within uh, the entity and so I think we have some parity sort of opportunities uh, uh, there as well. Uh, and those are independently reported or individually reported to CMS too, right? The staffing levels for uh, skilled? Yes. So on a daily basis, we have to project um, what our PPD is per patient day. Uh, the regulation is 3.2, and that's a minimum. But our buildings are running um, between 3.7 and about 5.5 at Fairmont, which is higher because the population's a little more, they're younger, they're complex. Right. Um, so we do that every day. And we just started with the PBJ in November, which is the payroll-based journal. And right. we report that on a quarterly basis to CMS. And that'll give you the, that'll, that'll pull out the yeah. based journaling, yeah. and that'll pull out the individual numbers for for each of those. Yeah. Yeah. So during our annual survey, we they ask for a two week period of our staffing, so they are going to move forward uh, of not asking for that in the near future, and they're just utilizing the PBJ information. Yeah, the PBJ stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. And on the other uh, side, we could uh, incorporate action wide benchmarks on a departmental level. Provide that would be helpful. Okay, we can do that. All right. Um, okay, here's uh, patient days and discharge trends. I mentioned it's pretty flat. And then we have detail. Here's additional statistics. Uh, we have, um, in this case, discharge is increasing 5% uh, in the proposed budget. And uh, days basically flat, so an improvement in length of stay. And uh, ED visits actually being uh, budgeted down a little bit, but increases in ambulatory visits of 4.3 percent. Um, here's the summary income statement. Um, I'm not going to lead you all the way through this. Uh, obviously uh, but I do have questions on this. Okay. So if you, if, uh, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, I, tell me the relationship between where you say gross patient service revenues. Yes. And the actuals in 216 were the 29. The projected is is 30 mm -hmm. and the growth between I, I'm just wondering what constitutes the huge growth in the proposed because the growth that we see between 216 the and the projected 217 and then there's almost twice the growth Almost twice the growth in 2018, and 
Yeah, um, so obviously it's a function of uh, volume and rate. And one of the things we do every year is look at our pricing and adjust pricing to the market. Um, last year, an adjustment was put in based on a perception that we were well below market. Uh, so it was a fairly significant increase. Um, this year, we have an assumption of uh, 5%, so the rest would be volume-related. Um, that said, we're in the midst of comparing, doing the market analysis right now, and it looks like we may not want to go 5%. We might go lower. Uh, th those so. were the concerns that I had when I looked at this operating thing, is I thought that this the projection, I, I just need to understand what you were billing on, because that mm -hmm. looks to me like a pretty big jump. Yeah. Can I t yeah. uh, so just add a, a, a corollary thing to look at there, uh, Trustee Lawrence? Uh, it's not just the, the gross. So gross is basically the bill, what goes out as a bill, right? Uh, the um, the deductions um, are, are then the adjustments to that gross so that you get what the uh, actual number is in terms of patient, uh, patient service revenues is the net. So you astutely and, and correctly pointed out that the um, the gross jumps um, um, twice as much. Yeah, on, so on, so on, so on the but the but the but the next line the deductions does as well. So you see it went from 2.3 to 2.4, and mm -hmm. this time it goes from 2.4 to uh, 2.7. So so then you see the adjust uh, those adjustments are where you have contracted rates repairs, write-offs, all the other sorts of things that, that occur uh, before you get to the true net cost. So, so you're, you're seeing a, a... But the net jumps dramatically as well, that's 20 million versus 58 million. That's right. I mean, that's yeah. a huge jump. Yeah. And so I'm trying to understand when we talk about the patient volume and the days that we've had and we've seen months of the activities, I just don't know how you... You what? see, we jumped twenty million. Right, right, no, I see. Right. Okay. I see. Yeah. What yeah. the? Wh how it got? I mean, what the rationale was for Three such times. a big, a big jump? Um, so there's a very detailed model that looks at all of the departments we have, all the units of service and volume, and multiplies it by the rates that we expect for that department, and produces this result. Okay. Uh, the important thing I think for you to realize is that, that gross patient revenue is almost like not real money. It's the amount that shows up on a, on a list price on the bill, but it's not the amount you collect. The amount we collect is the net patient service revenue, which is essentially And you real think money. you're going to go up the 50, the 50 as opposed to 20 the previous year? So See, so that... Yeah. Only 60 million. Yeah, almost 60 million. Yeah. But it's also a combination of, of, of the things you talked about, but also the rough cycle opportunity in terms of yeah. in, in, in improvements and ability to collect on, on the, the charges that yeah, we do have. But, but if your charges, I mean, you guys know this, so, so you have to help me process this in my okay. own mind so I'm comfortable. Um, I mean, so I'm not accusing here, and I don't yeah. mean to... Oh, it doesn't come up. Uh, I really am trying to understand this. So we just heard that our collections are are great and so we don't have this huge this huge amount of money that we're going to capture because we've been doing mm -hmm. we've been doing pretty well in our collections mm -hmm. we we know that our our the number of patients that we're seeing has come up a little bit but pretty flat mm -hmm. um, so and, but our expenses keep going up mm -hmm. So I'm trying to rectify how you are proposing to have such a jump in net patient revenue. 
part of the expense increase, part of it is um, an increase in staffing to actually uh, complete. So while it's true that revenue and um, revenue capture has improved, there's still a lot of opportunity. Um, and so part of the uh, one of the initiatives is our revenue enhancements. And so uh, part of the expense increase is to uh, fund that effort. And then part of the revenue increase is actually then to realize those returns. So that's part of it. And, and you think you'll do it twice as much of what you did before. See, that that doesn't, it just doesn't well, sit. I mean, there's a, there's a lot that's going into those numbers, you know. Okay. Maybe we, Any we, unbelievable? we just come back and provide some. No, some I mean, I, I, think I could come back with a detailed explanation. But, yeah. I, I mean, you know, 708 million, that's what we're going to try to do. We've, we've been through it. We, we've tied it back to specific initiatives, um, you know. Were there any improvements in contracts or any renegotiated contracts that would bring some additional revenue? Um, actually, yes. I mean, we, oh, and I, I can also announce that we signed a contract with Edna today, which is good. Yeah. Oh, great. Uh, yeah, the contracts we've been signing are, um, you know, 30 to 40% better than what we were getting paid before. So some um, of this percentage increase in revenue it, it, is going to be tied to. Yeah. But and most of it, frankly, is. Um, um, either revenue cycle or, you know, we're adding doctors. Doctors take care of patients, they generate bills, and you get paid, you know. That's but there's also expense related to sure. paying yeah. for the doctors. So, yeah. I mean, it's not... Right. I can just give you an example. Neurosurgery revenue capture really is, is this one. So we have uh, uh, now a plan to fix this, uh, you know, uh, just I don't know how much <coughs> revenue capture neurosurgery. Just, just well, it's not uh, trauma. I mean, we're not trauma, we're like trauma, not capturing not charges UCSF for UCSF contract. We are now bringing it next. So, just all all of these are like revenue capture. Let's, we have let's just bring back yeah. some, some detail. We'll, we'll just bring yeah, back we'll some details. Yeah, we'll bring. Yeah, bring okay. yeah I, I would like to hear more about the charge capture, especially as it relates okay. to trauma and neurosurgery. I mean, those are the top. Those are the, the big right. ticket yeah. items, and and, this, this and generally you find the, the reimbursement to be a little bit better because yes. you get so many commercial coming in as well. And, and what yeah. what constitutes the large increase in outside medical services? I mean, that's a big job. Uh, I believe that is the new ambulance contract. It's, it's actually that, yeah, it's right? a big drop on a percentage basis, yeah. but uh, dollar figure. It's, yeah. it's, Small relative to the overall budget, right? It's yeah, I mean, if it's helpful, we could go through each of these lines and annotate. Do you want to comment? So, it's it includes the uh, the ambulance company, which is about six hundred thousand, I think it was. Okay. Uh, but it also includes some um, increases in IT for the applications, um, care okay. management, investment, electronic health record preparation. So there's quite a bit that went into it. We that, that wouldn't be an that's purchase services. She said, uh, we're, we're talking about outside medical services. Outside medical services. Yeah, I, I believe it's primarily the ambulance contract. Right. Okay. I mean, it, I did my own little <coughs> homework in uh, analyzing the last 18 years of performance of this health system. And I dropped in an abbreviated form the last 10 years <coughs> the operating margin, a bit of margin, and our growth rate and our expenses. And it just seems to me over the last 10 years, as we start to spend money, as we start to come out of a bump, um, we do well for two or three years, and then we sli slide, and we slide, and then we get things organized again. And um, you know, we're, we're on two years of 
reasonably good performance and um, looking at 2018 at basically half the performance of only two years ago um, and it's concerning. Uh, our expenses are up 2% over last year, 5% um, over two years ago. Um, growth rate in revenue, 1% um, over last year. Um, I, I believe kind of past is prologue and I don't mean to cast a paw <coughs> over next year's or 2019 performance, but if you look over 10 years, you know, it's, it's worrisome. And I still, I, I, I look through the numbers, um, I believe them, but I just don't understand why we're all of a sudden, and I knew, I've only been here six months, but sure. I don't understand why we're, we're doing a paradigm shift on the operations of this organization. To so I would, uh, I, one, I appreciate the context. I s certainly didn't do that lens, and, and it's helpful to, to hear it. I will say that in my experience uh, of, of, you know, not quite two years, is um, um, I, I, my sense of the, the, the past uh, performance, uh, particularly in the, the first year, is obviously a lot of good work to, to um, fix some longstanding problems, but I also think that in some cases, as is in my case, uh, or I would say as an example, the nursing uh, piece that we experienced uh, was a what I will describe as a bit of an overcorrection, in the sense that uh, improvement efforts that are uh, heavily consultant-based to drive an opportunity to uh, uh, reduce expenses um, uh, may well achieve that goal and uh, get a performance that's respectable and quite laudable. Uh, but I don't. I question the sustainability of it. Uh, for an organization, and I think you know there is certainly a combination of that and the focused energy around uh, that particular activity. Uh, that that um, when I look at you know some of the um, lessons from last year and trying to go into this year with some balance to to these uh, to the fidelity of a of a um, reasonable operating margin for the organization balanced against a sustainable uh, um, um, sort of funding of the organization itself. That, that's one of the concerns I am attempting to address, that, that greater stability around internal capabilities, bringing people in to do the work and sustain the work versus this sort of the ebbs and flows of you know, overcorrections or, or massive efforts uh, geared at correction, I think is, is, is what what I'm trying to avoid uh, from a, taking a longer-term uh, lens for the organization. So I would say to you, and I, I sit here today to say, I don't, I don't actually think that we should be trying to target a four percent margin over a um, over a prolonged period of time. But I am wary that, uh, and and I'll also say that I think that this is a right balance for this year, um, uh, but with the hope that actually actually perform better than that uh, for this year. I'm just trying to reasonably get to a point that I think is achievable, uh, but I wouldn't expect that in subsequent years uh, that this type of uh, uh, consistent expectation in terms of growth in expenses uh, lined up against a uh, relatively flat, flat experience and, and uh, revenue that I think is going to begin to decline is something that we can sustain. But I think your point is, and it, it concerns me with our line of credit. It's not like you know that's our only debt. We've got what ninety, ninety-five million dollars on our books. Much God knows what the county owns for the facility, um, and going into what we know are going to be, you know, I think in almost any scenario, headwinds um, to have our line of credit under a four percent EBITDA 
um, not a lot of space to maneuver. Sure. Um, and it seems to me we would want, there's just no reason today, um, I mean, what, knowing what we know, not to continue to perform well. I mean, if people are tired, I'm sorry, but, um, you know, it's, I'm tired too, trying mm -hmm. to keep a little bank afloat, so uh, it's, it's worrisome. Well, I, I think I think what might also it, it worries and, and I share I share his concern in terms of our moving down to a lower EBITDA sure. uh, because we have been pretty consistent trying to get a hold of this and but but I also understand your point that sometimes you have to invest money to make money and and I also understand that concept so what what would be the benchmarks that you would use in the next, say, six months mm -hmm. to to tell you? Because waiting till the end of the year right. to discover that we didn't hit the four one, mm -hmm. or that we're going to be in trouble, and now suddenly all this running around and and I mean I know we only borrowed money for a week, but it really gave me the heebie-jeebies to do it. So um, they know that it. it I'm, I'm not very happy. This occurred in here. Yeah. But obviously so beyond our control with the yeah. uh, state, but but I but I, I regret. There are going to be things that are beyond our control, sure. and you have to put you have to put money there to sure. to make certain that you're hedging against those things that you can't control. Sure. So going back to the idea of what what is it that you would put in place to assure a board that we're not going to find ourselves in next year at this time going, oh, my God, and what, what have we done? What have we done? We're laying people off. We're doing this because we're in a bad, yeah. in a bad. And David very rightly showed that maybe a year we can do that, but mm -hmm. that thing gets a whole lot yeah. bigger as it goes if out in, in years. Excellent question. Uh, the biggest, as you saw, sixty as in terms of buckets, uh, the biggest expense for us is, is uh, uh, payroll or, or, or uh, um, salary-related expenses. Um, one of the things I alluded to earlier today was well, it's actually labor costs. I mean, that's what I mean overall. Not Sorry, just salary and wages, but registry and contracted services. Yeah. Correct. Exactly. So that's what I meant. Labor costs. By Thank the way, you. as Thank a you. point of order, the finance committee asked trustees if they wanted to attend the board budget portion of this meeting to uh, please come, and they are invited to participate. Yes. Yeah. So glad yeah. to glad Thank to see you, you here, Jensen. Trustee Thank Jensen. You. Um, yeah. So one of the things is um, uh, with combination of finance and HR, we we as an organization um, have have had a little bit of a um, more. Um, accountable at a different level of the organization approach to staffing and so if a you know a, a vice president or director in the organization wanted to resource the organization they're part of the organization to do what they uh, needed to get done there was not necessarily a correlation between what are you trading off and what are you um, what are you attempting to do which is something you should be able to do living within your expense budget and so we find ourselves sometimes going back and when we reconcile a true up, and I think that was a big effort at the course, uh, end of this year, those two things don't line up the way in which we thought they did or should have. And so uh, in answer to your question, one of the things we're doing now is saying, uh, I'm not 
this budget will uh, hopefully uh, get to a point where well, it has to get to a point where it will get approved. And it's not like the gate opens right away, particularly with FTEs. Uh, it is going to be a demonstration of we have actually looked at is there another way to cover the need that we're identifying, meaning are there already vacancies that are budgeted that you need to fill before I start to fund or um, uh, implement the new ones and still have that cost experience on the organization um, and, and other sorts of things along those lines. On the expense side, the trends that David showed you, you can see are, are relatively flat. There's a few spikes on the other, um, uh, the non-payroll related expenses, but they're relatively flat or, or uh, but, explainable. But his budget but. was relatively flat last year on the expenses, and we know that expenses occurred and, and not, not we've not on the, the non-payroll side. If you if you look at the trend, the, uh, can you go back to that slide? The non-payroll side, I'm just saying the, the bigger opportunity for us is on the payroll side. If so you go you to, keep going, that one. So you see, like, these are all the non-labor expenses. Um, yeah. Through the chair, are you trying to then just make more valid assumptions? Yeah, well, I think a combination of things, yeah. So we're, we're benchmarking to figure out where the opportunities really exist. And as people say, you know, I'm, I, I need to fill this position for this initiative, the question becomes, have we really standardized operations in your area to make sure that we don't have a, a capacity to do that work without actually incurring an additional FTE, or have we already resourced it in a different way that you are now double counting or trying to leverage in a way that isn't consistent with what we what we anticipated when we put this out. So I'm saying the budget comes forward, and I don't go forward and say, go forth and spend all of this money. It is a show me what you're, what, what you're attempting to do at the appropriate levels of the organization to have that accountability. Well, that, that, that answers, your answer um, is good from an administrator's perspective, on a manager's perspective. Sure. So put, recharacterize it in what you will provide to a board, to mm -hmm. me, mm -hmm. while you're doing that, and you see those things that are up and down, or, and, and while David gives us the monthly uh, Expen expenses PL, and, uh, and what the status is, they're usually a month behind, mm -hmm. um, I just need some, re if I'm going to say, okay, let's do a four, mm -hmm. which makes me really nervous, mm -hmm. makes me very nervous, okay. I need to know that where the where we can put a stop in the, you know, the finger in the dike so mm -hmm. that we can say no more. Mm -hmm. And, oh, but, well, if you're, but, if it's, but if it's people, yeah. Then, it, it, uh, then we are in the position of doing layoffs with people, which I don't think is a yeah, healthy we haven't thing. Gotten, we haven't gotten there, and we 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 are mindful of, uh, of absolutely doing everything in our power to avoid that. To, to avoid that, yes. but when but we have a lower margin, we haven't done that because we have not taken on quite so many. So, uh, so that's a fair point. I mean, there, there is an opportunity now. So, so to move this, uh, as, as we talked about a little bit uh, in the um, in the uh, last board meeting, to move our our margin one percent is 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 a ten million dollar savings. If you go to the, can you go back to the uh, the uh, the uh, income statement? So, if you go there. Um, the the increase here for for the on the expense side is seventy three million dollars, fifty almost what is that thirty forty, fifty almost fifty nine million of it is in three buckets, 
So if you did, if you move the EBITDA margin to five percent, what what do you have to? That's, so, so effectively, I'd be saying either that we weren't going to spend anything except money on salary, wages, employee benefits, and physician costs. I take out everything else, which obviously is not very realistic. Or we scale back, you know, twenty million in all of those categories, a combination of those categories to get there. The biggest opportunities are in salaries and wages, employee benefits second, and uh, contract physician services third. So I'd, I'd basically be looking to say where are those areas of the organization that um, either are things that we we're planning to do and you know for the initiative piece, and I think we didn't get to that particular slide yet, that represents $15 million. So if, you said, if we said we weren't even going to do any of their critical initiatives, which of course they do, uh, those that we have to do, the waiver is not an optional thing. The HR, I guess you could say at this point, we're not going to do uh, before we get down the road, because once we ink it, we're, we're going to move forward. Uh, but if we don't do that, then we're, we're talking about about a, you know, probably a $5 million savings for those things that we have to uh, or don't have to do, per se. So that wouldn't get you. But your personnel million. costs are around 60, what'd you say, 62% of the total Correct. total budget. Correct. So, so I'm saying then that, that what you'd have to do, what we'd likely have to do, and we did not do in this budget, is look at where any of the performance in any parts of the organization aren't meeting a certain amount of uh, of, of net contribution that would actually get us to sustain this and say, should we continue to do that? We did not come before the, you at all in this budget to uh, Trustee DeVries' uh, uh, question that I'd answer in the board context, which is, um, um, are, there, are there any red flags here in terms of politically dicey things? This, as far as we understand, there is nothing here because we didn't cut any services. We only, the cuts that we made, if, as it were, were to Proposed things that we would do as an organization. So, so there were some things there that you know I don't think they're politically controversial, but from a managerial perspective, people felt were important and we needed to do. But we said we don't have them with our resources to do. But there are no cuts to services. There are no layoffs proposed in this budget. We'd either be talking about going there and finding. You know, we, we, the, the, the increases in terms of um, contracts are what they are. You know, we've, we've committed to those and we've done those on an incremental basis and now this is reflecting the full year experience of those in many of those areas uh, that were done over the course of this year. Uh, to the earlier point about the old care contract, that will be one of the things that we would see built into this budget for next year, that part of it that, that, that impacts this. So we'd go back and look at, you know, what services do we scale back um, uh, or don't do in order to find $20 million of opportunity. Could we look at the some of the critical budget initiatives? Yeah, absolutely. <coughs> I mean, the Innovation it. Fund, there are two yeah. Harvard teaching hospitals that that is a uh, fund that's done through philanthropy. Sure. Um, I'm not sure given our, we're having the, pro the cash flow of this organization next year that, um, you know, we should be supporting some of these things out of cash flow and we asked Deborah to raise some money for it. And I'd, I'd, I'd be fine with that. Uh, um, or to a the quarter of a million dollars for food for training. I yeah. mean, yeah. if you're going to have people yeah. that provide revenue, then we need to cut back on some of the other things. Yeah. I, I, so, so I'd be fine with those things to the extent that we could do them. I, you know, recognize that to not do them is not to get the, you know, if, if you if you cut $500,000 out of the budget, you've gotten 0.05% of the EBITDA margin. So you go from 4 to 4.05. I don't know that that, those, that's one of those things where I think the 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 cost is is lower than the value that you get from, from, from what will occur, um, or what I think will occur in terms of a net uh, halo effect for the organization. But 
if in they were easy to pick out because they're here on a piece yeah. of paper. No, no, you they, can figure out what you want to. I just. Um, I, but I would say, yeah, all, all of them are, are, well, not all of them, but many of them are that way. If you want to say we don't do the management management training, I think the cost of that or the benefits of that far away the cost of that. But if you said, you know, we're, we're in a dire situ situation, we do it within what we already have as management training opportunities, which we obviously do have. So the other question I have is registry and, and how registry is playing into all these labor costs and whether or not there's opportunities within that registry number to really find some dollars to add to the bottom line. Uh, you know, I, I think they, there are. I'm a little hesitant to um, to to sort of hardwire it, but if you forced my hand and said, you know, we really do need to to, to drop that down, I think, I mean, obviously I think yeah. there's some opportunity in, in all of these areas, uh, but if you said I, I need to drop that down, what I what I don't, I want to do it in, a, in as informed a manner as possible, so because the, the big challenge for me this year was the fact that I feel like we didn't quite right size these two things, and so over the course of the year, the big issue was what's going on with registry, and I think, you know, I'd rather us not have that conversation throughout the course of the year um, uh, because of, you know, poor, poor sort of speculation about what was going to actually occur. But, but as I said before, my goal and my team's goal will be to overperform on this budget. It's just that I don't want to, I'm trying to find some room here to actually make it reasonable and also, and certainly achievable, but also something that doesn't become too much of a crazy sort of situation all throughout the year. But that's that's a goal. But, uh, I mean, but I, rest assured it's not padded in that yeah. way. I, I remember, oh, go ahead. No, there's a $2 million CEO fund in one of these. What's yes. that number? So um, we, our new head of uh, population health, uh, starts in about a little over a week. Um, we have to, over the course of the year, uh, move towards a situation where we build um, uh, care management, uh, uh, I'm sorry, a managed care team, uh, and this will be in preparation for by July of next year. Uh, we will, uh, uh, our goal is to go at full risk for capitation, so we will have to incur and build an infrastructure that actually manages the lives that we'll be at full risk for, and I don't know what that looks like uh, because she's not on board yet. So, so I'm I'm building in wiggle room so that as she comes in and needs the resources to to implement her plan to get us to where we need to be, I can resource it, uh, which I don't have enough intelligence to do at this point. And that requires two million dollars. I don't know. It could be a million. Uh, it's going to be staff. It's going to be infrastructure. It's going to be space for that staff. So, so I'm just sort of uh, I, I I I thought I was. Like what I was doing was striking a reasonable balance of um, of given uh, what with the I UC would be Chancellor possible. has gone through. I just it kind of jumped out at oh, me. Oh no, that's like, a good uh, point. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Uh, I don't intend to have uh, uh, <laughs> petty cash or slush funds sitting around. Uh, but but uh, if you you know, one we could cut it back if you wanted yes, to, to find the opportunity. Uh, but two, if you. Uh, because it's undifferentiated at this point. If you said, you know, at the four month or eight month or whatever mark, I want an accounting of how those dollars were actually apportioned and used, then I'd be happy to do that as well. Michelle, I do want to just put a, a point that I will follow up on your, your point, which is, you know, to answer that question from a governance perspective of what will be those triggers I can offer to you, and I'll, I'll give that some thought and come back to you. Yeah, you, you know, I, I want to make certain, particularly the people who are sitting in this room, uh, to have them understand that that uh, 
I think this board is immensely appreciative of the work that has gone on in the last few years. I mean, it's just really astronomical of what they have been able to achieve across the board. Sure. Across the board. The efficiencies, the the accountability has just really improved. And, it, and I mean, it, it's an honor to sit here. Um, but in the political climate that we're in mm -hmm. with, with what we know going on in the federal government and... I mean, I find my thought, I don't want to go there. Like, erase, erase. Um, it, it, it's concerning. It's concerning. It's concerning and what that domino is going to be. Um, I also, and, and you know that I, I've had the conversation with you, that, that you know, I'm immensely proud that you're here. And I, and I think that you have done a remarkable job as a leader in this organization. So a lot of things that the questions that I'm asking are to protect you and the organization mm -hmm. so that later on we've, we don't find ourselves in a situation where the good people are feeling um, at a loss and sad and betrayed in some respect because the board didn't do yes. the work that they were supposed to do. Yeah. Um, so I say that so that the people here understand that there's there is a great deal of respect for what has for what has occurred here. Um, I personally think you're taking on a whole lot, mm -hmm. probably more than is institutionally ready to take on those things. Okay. But I'm not in your chair, and so you have to make those decisions. What I do need from you, and I'm speaking only for Michelle, the rest of them can speak for themselves, I do need to have some schedule here so that I know very specifically, like another one of these kinds of meetings, so that we really invest knowing mm -hmm. where the organization is. I know you, you sit back and you work with your guys and they find the ups and downs, mm -hmm. but I don't know that. Okay. And uh, there has to be some political coverage, if you will, mm -hmm. to protect us as an organization because a board made a decision to go ahead and do a 4.1. A 4 okay. I agree. If we, if we didn't have the political environment under which we're operating, I'd be saying absolutely, let's, let's go to four or three for a couple years mm -hmm. and um, plan an up, uptick, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of unknown. I mean, our supplementals are, are um, becoming less, yes. our waivers becoming less. Yes. Uh, and certainly, uh, uncertainty is uh, is uh, all-time high, About although there is certainty. I mean, there's uncertainty there's and uncertainty. Certainty of the uh, stuff that is not necessarily favorable and uncertainty that's of, right. of any sort of counterbalance. Yeah, measures. so it's, it's not lack of faith in, in, in you, believe me. It's I, just I don't take it that way. I that appreciate the, the yeah. The thing that I feel is that, you know, if we just show something that's unrealistic, like like the Bush budget, three percent growth, yeah, right. Like, how will that happen given what we have to do? And going through the kind of initiatives that you have to do, mm -hmm. looking at it, at, I'm again one vote. Yeah. I can't think of any of that that this year you can sh shove off. Like things like those, uh, some of these expenses, yes, but the big things, whether it's the ambulatory redesign, whether it's some of these other things, population health, is so we need to do this right. And mm -hmm. because some of this will be an expense upfront and mm -hmm. you're laying the foundation and the groundwork for things later on. So that's where I think the budget oversight and the continuous like monitoring to see that this is very feasible and realistic given what the what needs to be done this year yeah. 
but literally like if we feel like we are coming below this something has to go but right now trying to go for a six and dropping some things off might be short term it might give us a little bit of satisfaction to feel like oh we have the margins but in the long term we might be hurting ourselves by pushing it to next that, year some the of these yeah. things that is actually the and, and, and if i could say because i, I, I you but if give me the the entree to say and i'm sorry if i yeah. responded to the two million dollar uh, question as well um one of the things uh in addition to the the uh, managed care piece uh, that was was sort of there is historically we had tried to put that that kind of opportunity in the um, in the capital plan, and we recognize that that was actually a little bit limiting because it was, you know, you had to have a significant expenditure to actually leverage right. it. So, so there are some opportunities, and, and the board is aware. Um, and actually, just uh, heard about a potential another potential one this year, where where if we have an opportunity to kind of look at. Um, um, Leakage as an organization, and by leakage I mean uh, services that our population require that uh, they ultimately end up going outside of the system to get. Uh, that if they were, and and that if we could provide them, we could actually perhaps provide them cheaper to the managed care entity. And as we move towards capitation, where now we have risk for those dollars uh, or for those lives, um, um, there's an opportunity actually to have revenue enhancement for the organization. Those are the types of things where I would say, you know what, we're going to take a hit for this year to get a an additional oncologist on board and in place so that by next year when we f re realize that, you know, a lot of our patient population is getting their care at fill in the blank place, that our expectation is that when we capitate for them, they will come here, and we will actually capitate with a plan to say, "You're going to actually give us the 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 appropriate rate for the population we're covering, and we'll be able to uh, generate uh, a, a more reasonable revenue." And it's not obviously driven solely by the revenue, but by the fact that there will be greater care coordination and and other sorts of things in the organization. But that, those are the types of things that if we don't do them now, yeah. when it when we get to that point, we're actually further disadvantage in our exactly. ability to well, I'd like to um, add or suggest, um, I appreciate in the um, in Dave's report, actually on page, or no, this was in the budget report at page 73, um, the operating capital budget business unit summary. And um, I also appreciate the discussion earlier about the compensation ratio. So to um, Michelle's point, and also with regard to the discussion we've been having about FTEs, I, uh, uh, let me just start by saying, you know, looking at adding um, 34 FTEs that just in the summary, just for the, the prime between prime and EHR and waiver targets and home, health home and uh, managed care and operational excellence. I mean, that's a lot of new FTEs in one budget year, 34 people to do things that aren't being done. And, and that's illustrated in the, um, page 73, the population health compensation ratio. Not quite, yeah, people aren't quite getting um, working oh. as hard as the revenue would, would support. So having said that, I, um, first of all, I, I think that these are, we're going to need to do a lot of these things, but having what you put in this memo, what, what you, Delvecchio and Luis and David put in this memo, the number of FTEs, 48 FTEs for um, revenue maximization, okay, mm -hmm. 
um, additional 48, additional 16 FTEs for care coordination, additional 22 FTEs for waiver targets. I mean, these are a lot of people in one year, and that's not even all of it. So as, as well as the fact that the, um, the registry is increasing by 10 or 15 percent in that in the calendar year, I would like to suggest to um, Michelle's point that we could look more closely in the future at compensation ratio as a determinant of how we're how well we're doing month by month and whether or not we're going to get to the EBITDA targets. Uh, okay, I'm not sure I followed all of that, uh, okay, Trustee Jensen. Well, um, uh, but but I can. I'll, I'll, if I'm you happy look to at follow. page 66, and we have the compensation ratio, which is which was 62.6 um, percent mm -hmm. hours mm -hmm. per adjusted patient day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I see. And then we go to 64. Then we go to 65 in 2018 and proposed, and that's not. Tremendous, I, I I would say. I'd agree that hiring another 100, what is it, 120, or I think it's about over 400 new hires, I believe, from baseline. I think it was, from your baseline, it's over 400 new hires, um, excuse me, 246 new hires over baseline 2016. There, we'd hire 246 for the budgeted um, 2018. And so, since net patient revenues are going up about 9%, hiring 20% more people is being shown to be supporting future endeavors and supporting prime and supporting population health. But it's it's a big expenditure and it's sure. gonna... So all of that is an incremental. Uh, so some of that is shifting from contracting or, or other... Uh, and gets us to uh, um, actual full-time employees for the organization. Well, registry is going up. Mm. Registry, well, excuse me, I guess it's not actually going up yeah, substantially because it was flat. under, it was, it's realistically it was 70 reflected percent this time, under right. yeah. budgeted by 70% from 2016. So Correct. Um, we can hope that that doesn't go, but um, as well as contracted physician services going up and um, as we've talked about ambulance and other things between Employee wages going up about 8% in this budget and registry staying flat and from our last budget, it just, I, I, I know I probably should have put an outline together before I started talking, but I really <laughs> would like to see how the compensation ratio is reflective of, of our, um, a, a, on a more regular basis, is reflective of our expenditures and our and our revenues. And I, I, I think the business unit, you're, you know, establishment of the business units just by looking, just by looking at page 73, it's it's obvious that the the expenditures that for population health are going to just be tremendous compared to what any revenue that we're going to gain from that. So, so it's it's not an it's not a. I don't um, wanna, I'm not saying we shouldn't do it. I'm just pointing that out as a as a, um, a way to identify when expenses are <coughs> not meeting our targets, I guess, or. Uh, okay, I, I, again, uh, I apologize. Uh, I feel like we should talk offline because I'm not completely following. Sure. And part of, I, I, I know that uh, probably okay. all of that is me, yeah, but, but I'll, I'll And we need to keep moving okay. as well. Okay. Um, 
I, I just note the time. We're already over. So we'll yeah. We, we could keep going through this or we could you know. well I mean what's going to be gained if you finish your presentation my only comments are the critical initiatives budget impact doesn't list the impacts of the budget initiative so it'd be nice to have that um, you asked for that two times ago so if that can be cleaned up for governor and I just think as an overriding comment it's mine personally I think it may reflect my colleagues on the committee um, we're just not willing to give up yet um, based on I, I hear that I uh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear what we, uh, maybe we missed the mark. Oh, on the budget impact? Yeah, what it, yeah. Um, it, it, it shows the expenses, but it doesn't really explain in every item what the impact is going to be. And Trustee Lawrence asked a couple trustee meetings ago, yeah, maybe in the last one. I think I know what uh, It was yeah, the last one. What are the big yeah. impact things yeah. that are going to move the needle, and what's the cost behind them, and what are the little things that... Oh, so not just the budget impact? You mean well, no, we're talking budget okay. now, but... I but that did, this, but that this document does not do this. One, okay. so okay. And the combination of that in the memo, uh, the detail in the memo, didn't do that either? Or the, the, the it wasn't okay. easy, no. I read okay. it on a plane, but okay. and so I'll, I'll I was watching a movie. But sure. yeah. Yeah. We're, we're guessing. Code gray ER triage, all clear. Code gray ER triage, all clear. You know, there are, two, there are two things that I think that you should feel comfortable with. One, is you now have board members who are understanding this a whole lot more than they did before and so the questions are going to be much more um, much more considered and much more um, she used the word earlier robust and so um, and so I think that's a good thing that's a good thing that's a good thing um, but maybe what you could do, typically the finance committee made some kind of recommendation before it went to the board but let's not uh, I would say not do that but you, you heard the concerns that we you're I think I just looked at the agenda today Mike and I mm -hmm. um, for next meeting and the budgets another big piece on it and mm -hmm. so we can talk about we can you've heard these concerns and yeah. maybe you guys can sit down and say they're full of baloney and we're gonna go ahead and do what we want <laughs> or uh, yeah, and if memory serves me correctly last year I don't I don't know because I think we had a, a similar temporal situation I don't think that uh, the budget went I think it was recommended from finance, not exactly an action item. I believe uh, that's okay. what I, I, I could have. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, um, I don't recall that being the case, but, but it doesn't matter. Be an action as hmm? well too. It, it, whether it's a recommendation. I got my torpedo painted, so yeah, that's okay. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, so long as the understanding is, we will continue this discussion. Yeah. Absolutely, I think that's yeah. exactly yeah. where we are, yeah. as we've given some input to you. Yes, um, and we'll and we'll respond to that and and others uh, but some clear action items to really have those critical budget initiatives to Absolutely. have the payoff you know yeah. what we expect to get from them. okay and any other questions well, I, I, I would like I'd ask one thing when, when you do come back I mean with regard to the FTE increase mm -hmm. for 2018 yeah. mm -hmm. which of those are is there any options can you come up with plan A or plan B um, to meet most of your goals or meet because that's the biggest expense and that's the um what's gonna uh, what's gonna affect registry it's gonna affect contracting etc and so i just okay. like to see that okay we'll look and, at it and i agree with trustee jensen i think we really need a deeper dive on the labor 
Okay. And not only looking at registry, but looking at increases in FTEs across the board, any increases as they relate to the EHR or other initiatives. Mm -hmm. You know, what are the right. impacts? What are the labor impacts? Because that's your biggest expense. Sure. And if you're going to be able to gain anything, I think that's the line, or those are the lines where, where gains could be made. Thank you. Well, yeah, I'm thinking about shift because you have a lot of experience here, so you know, maybe not adding, but but shifting or expanding roles or. Yeah. Uh, can I say that it feels like a global takeaway, though, is is as we were looking at this, that you're you're not particularly encouraging us in this uh, truncated period to look at opportunities to re to not do things that we're currently doing. By that I'm saying we're not looking for opportunities to cut anything other than incremental things that are in the budget now. Is that is that a fair point? Well, can I ask or, a question? Didn't that you, no, that's well? not a fair Didn't point. Didn't you give uh, your, your, so your operating units a, a directive a while ago at the beginning of the budget year to either look for reductions? Didn't you? Um, has that ever been done? Have you ever suggested that the SBUs uh, yeah, they were they were given targets and right, right. But the, those were targets relative to the budget request. Those weren't targets relative to. And I don't know if my question is clear. I'm saying, are we operating exclusively in the realm of all the new stuff, or are we operating in a, a much more fundamental basis of, you know, if there are opportunities in other areas, should we be looking at cutting stuff or or looking at things that we would not do or stop doing as well, and, and bringing that forward because we didn't bring any of that forward as a necessity in the case of this budget, and that's why we're at four percent. Well, coming from a hospital where everything was on the table and everything was cut, every between services and staff and 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 you know just to to pay the bills, I I don't think we're there. I mean, I don't I, I don't know what you see, but in terms of future initiatives, I think you should be a little bit more. I, I don't um, either. That's why I was clarifying. So so I'm, I I don't feel like we're there either, but. To the extent that we need to do that to we'll operate within this this budget of, of, of finding additional percentages, I'm saying, and that puts me in the realm of, of all new stuff, it, not, if not existing. Stuff. It, are you responding to Trustee DeVries's comment? Is that no, no, no? I'm responding to your feedback that it's concerning that globally uh, uh, we would we would project for a budget of four percent, uh, and so. If we are, if I'm going back and talking to the team and trying to find opportunities uh, to to get that to something that's perhaps a bit more comfortable for the board, uh, am I only operating in the space of incremental costs, or am I operating in the space of across the board? Should I should I be going back and saying, uh, you know, I'm, we're not just looking at you know where those new costs are, but we're looking at the entire experience to because the six percent prevails not or not six percent, but but getting ahead of four percent prevails, mm -hmm. not just the you know the strategic initiatives. From from my perspective as a CEO, I think you have to constantly look at the organization to find those services or elements that are not as productive as 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 we need them to be, right. or are are. Uh, uh, this is a terrible analogy, so I've part you know a barnacle that it's been there for a while and it it's people are just used to it because mm -hmm. it's there. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that's important as a CEO to look at that, mm -hmm. and a board has to be prepared for the political fallout that comes with those kinds of reductions. That's the part I'm asking. This, the latter part. Here, here's the rub. 
is you can't surprise a board about that at the last minute. Correct. So if, in fact, there's to be reductions, they have to be planned out earlier. Mm -hmm. And if you're considering doing that in this budget to move up the, um, the EBITDA or get us in a more comfortable place as a mm -hmm. board, mm -hmm. we know that the layoff process and all those things take time. Correct. So... So my, it uh, can my, be a projected that we're going to eliminate such programs, and then this board has got to be prepared for the thousands of people that come up and say. And we should be doing that while we're strong instead of when we're weak. So, so I'm not disagreeing or, or, or with anything that was just stated. I'm just saying that at this point, I did not with a with with projecting a four percent EBITDA margin. I didn't think that we were at the point of actually needing to do those things or, or, or actually needing to to uh, be a more, more Why wouldn't aggressive we with it. I, I think it's CEO Because I thought 4% for CEO a year was fine. I, I, I think we could live with it. But but if your sense is we, we can't, then I need to telegraph that, that while I may not say, you know, I don't expect I'll come forward next week and say, you know, here's the, the, here's the exact program we're going to be cutting. But I may say to you, there's some expense opportunity on the labor side that will be connected to uh, uh, certain initiatives we're going to continue to do the deep dive but as a budgetary opportunity for those to materialize then I can see how we can move this from you know finding 10 million dollars of savings in the organization or 20 million that here's what I heard and you guys here's what I heard sure. we have a board that is has some angst about where we what we're projecting sure. but there's not a no here Okay. There's angst. Okay. And there's some issues that have been raised that we'd like to go back and have you explore. Okay. If this team comes back and said, we explored this and this and this, you've answered the staffing stuff, and we still think this is, then we have a board who's going to have to make a decision at some point whether or not we go with this for a year or whatever. Mm -hmm. okay. um, mm -hmm. So... But I didn't hear no here. Right. No, I, I didn't. Except for sure. Okay. Is that, did I yeah. characterize yeah. No, that absolutely. right? Absolutely. Well, that, that helps. And Thank I think you. in any year where you're going to have extraordinary expenses as a result of certain strategic initiatives, if this is okay. Sure. But I, I think my fear is that, well, this is maybe okay this year, especially as we're looking at implementation of an EHR and some other initiatives. But if this is going to continue on for the future, knowing that labor just doesn't seem to ever go away. Right. If you add 100 FTEs, right. you've got 100 FTEs for life. Yeah. Until you go Until through. something catastrophic occurs. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I, that's my fear. You know, I, I get where we're going with the EHR. I get where we're going with these other initiatives, but, you know. I understand. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Any other questions? I ruined half your presentation, Mr. Cox. Oh, Any discussion? Thank you. Okay. Thank you. We're through with that. Mr. Gravander. Um, my report was written and only meant to answer questions if there were any. You are most welcome, by the way, as these finance things can tend to draw out if you need to be put further into the agenda so that we get to you before you are welcome to ask it because we do not want to skimp because you're driving a lot of things that impact all, everything all else. important discussions about how uh, I help accomplish the goals that we have. Okay. Finances that we're working through. I don't have any questions. Or he becomes okay. fodder for thank you, my savings. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, always a sad day when Ishwari doesn't have a presentation for us. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to get you to plan something. Um, Thanks. Thanks. Finance, the, the tracking issues. Um, 
and then uh, we can go. There it is. I guess we're all going to be reported in July plus whatever I add to this meeting. Yeah, not a lot. Okay. You're going to bring to us a detail in writing for public view spreadsheet on exactly the situation in Alameda. And we had that on the agenda, and it was ready. Uh, and we took a few things off. We, we had a follow-up list. We had that. We had the capital policy. We just thought we wouldn't have time to do it. I just want, because we talked about it so much, I just want a piece of a paper that shows it. Can you send that to us? Sure. Perfect. Just where we are today, okay. um, that would be great. So you, you want us to just go ahead and send it to you as a document? Don't, don't wait until time to do it. No, just send it to yeah. email just so I have it. You know, okay. I spent a lot of time in Alameda, and I'm trying to tired of having to remember where exactly where we are, so it'd be nice to have it. So wow. thank you very much. Any other questions? Trust? Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm good. Okay, move to adjourn. Thank you. Okay, we're adjourned. Sorry we're over. Thank you. Thank you, Chair.